Hello, everybody, and welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends, good friends, who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook and TikTok. And you can email us at Life's Accessories Podcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or even accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it if you would share this podcast with a friend or two or 500. And also please remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode in your podcast feed. Today, we are thrilled to welcome Christine Morrison to the show. And I have to tell you the backstory here because it kind of tickles me a little bit. Christine actually reached out to moi. Can you believe that? I love it. I love it. She reached out to me because she is in the midst of pitching her wonderful new book, which we're going to get into in the interview. But she had heard about my book, Life's Accessories, which really is the inspiration for this podcast. It sure is. It sure is. And she wanted to use my book as a comparable title for hers when she pitches it to agents and publishers, which I was so moved by. I was like, go for it. Well, use it's it. a great book, Rachel. It's a great book. Thank you. I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm just telling you the backstory. Hey, I only speak in facts and truths here. So I know that about you. (laughs) You're an honest person. So anyway, that's kind of how we, we got to know Christine and, you know, we're so excited to have her. Can you tell us a little bit more about Christine? Absolutely. Thank you. So following a successful career in fashion and beauty marketing as vice president spearheading beauty and apparel for Calvin Klein globally, Christine ventured into freelance writing. Capitalizing on her journalism degree, she began crafting disarming personal essays aiming to connect with others. She became known for her energetic, eternally optimistic humor with a raw, honest take on life. Her work has appeared in a variety of print, the Washington Post and the Boston Globe, and online, Moms Don't Have Time To, the quality edit and more. Christine is pitching her first book, as we know, closed-minded, fashionable essays about finding yourself, which is a journey through reflecting on the meaning behind and the humor in what she wore while forming her identity, navigating her way to true love and discovering her authentic self. Christine lives in Atlanta with her husband and her identical twin boys. We're so excited to have Christine today. So excited. And I mean, Stephanie, just when you're reading her bio, I'm just like, she's one of us. She gets it. I'm so glad she's here with us and I can't wait to read her book. Me too. And I have to say, I've read some of her essays and they are awesome and she totally gets it. Hi, Christine and welcome. It is so great to have you here with us today. Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks We're for joining so us. We're so happy to, yes. be, to be with you. Uh, we love seeing you there. You look so cozy there in your sweater, by the way. But I'm I know I know we're not going to talk yes. about the sweater. We're going to dig yeah. into something else. So the hard hitting question is, what is the fashion fashion item slash accessory slash item from your closet <laughs> that you want to speak with us today about? Okay, it is an Anne de Mulemeester dress. And as I was trying to demo earlier before we got on the before we got on the recording, it is an unbelievable versatile art, uh, garment that I got in 19 November 1998. I still wear it to this day. 
but it's more, it's not a dress that you just put on. It's actually considered a wool sheet and Mm -hmm. it has five armholes. So when you put it on, it looked like I was putting on a toga, didn't it? Five armholes. Wait, let me do some math here. How many arms does one have? (laughs) So you put it in and then you wrap around, then you wrap around, you wrap around. So it's the ultimate wrap dress, if you will. And, and is it um, wool? Is it wool or is it what is, is it? Okay. It's gray wool and it's not an itchy because it's so old. It's like yeah. the fabric is incredibly well-made and it's not itchy. So you can wear it against bare skin, which I have. You can wear it. I've worn it with a t-shirt underneath and the way you drape it can be very different with you. If you have like a button down on or a t-shirt on, you can make it a little looser um, because what you've seen here is the, the pin and to describe it, I guess, to the audience, it would be like the diaper pin from the 1950s. Yes. But oversized. Way oversized. The Way pin oversized. It is amazing. It's the a giant safety pin. Yeah. Yeah. And it, um, and it's real, really safe because you can, it's not sharp in that way, okay. but you can use the pin to close it in the front to close it in the back. I've done it like halfway down the back and have part of it kind of drape over. It's, it's so cool. You don't need the pin necessarily, but I like it just to keep it all tucked in place. And here is, you're going to, you're going to die. <laughs> this let, legal size piece of paper. Oh my God. It has. It's, is that from Ikea? Is that like Ikea instruction? <laughs> is there, is there an Allen wrench? To right. you? <laughs> you don't come out of getting dressed with like extra parts though. Okay. Um, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. That sheet is from 1998. Yes. Okay. It's in good condition. It's in great condition. Right. So yeah. uh, right, tell we'll our listeners this. what's on this sheet. Cause our listeners can't see the sheet. Okay. So there are four options and what it says is like where to start and where to stop. And it's like, it's telling you if you want to start so that you leave the back um, draped, it's option one. And if you want to do it where you have a drop shoulder, you could actually leave it so it's that de- you don't put the fourth or the fifth armhole in, you drape it. That's option two. Um, a deep left shoulder where it's in a big V in the front is option three. And then another one is another drop shoulder, but the way that they put you put it on is, is slightly different. And it's both in French and in English. Obviously. That's amazing. Obviously, right? Amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and, and I always knew I was going to put one of these, this, this dress has a chapter in the book that I'm writing. We'll get to that. Um, but I had to keep, there's certain things that I keep in there. Oh, so definitely. Condition, right? Because yeah. Yeah. So, so what, why did you buy the dress? It is so cool. What it prompted so you? Cool. Okay. So in um, November 98, I was, I had been in Chicago for about uh, eight years post-college and I was moving to New York the next day. And through the whole time I lived in Chicago, there's a store called Blake. Mm -hmm. And I never felt that I, not only because I didn't have the money, um, I worked in advertising. And even when I was at um, Leo Burnett and they called it like the golden handcuffs where mm. got bonuses and things. And I waited tables on the side and everything the whole time. I never felt I had the money or the personality to go into this boutique. I was like, there's mm. no way, you know, it felt very pretty womanish, you know, they're going to yes, be like, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing say. for you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big mistake. Huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I knew I was moving to New York. I was being moved there by an ad agency. And I was going to be so broke by the time I got there. That's not even the 
question. But I, I thought this is the day I'm doing it. So I was oh. getting on a flight the next morning. I went into Blake and this was sitting on a table. And of course I thought it was a sweater. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, that's probably the cheapest thing in here. Right. It's like the scarf. Um, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I will say I've always, I say I always, I was a minimalist since in utero, but I really was a, a minimalist, <laughs> not just because I didn't have the money, but because I really liked clean lines, white, black, gray. Yeah. And I really liked, um, I was just starting to dabble with a little bit of like, um, helmet Lang and things had gone mm-hmm. into Barney's rest in peace. May you rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barney's mm-hmm. in Chicago was really Let's have good. a moment. I Let's know. Right? Moment. Seriously. <laughs> that was such a good store, but I used to actually go to Barney's. I don't know why I felt comfortable there, but this boutique, everyone was very quiet. And, right. um, I picked it up off the table. I saw the thought the, the, I was like, I don't know what this is. And the woman was so nice when she came over to help me. Yeah. And I said, well, and I felt confident because I'm like, well, I'm moving to New York in the morning. And okay. yeah, I'm said, a big deal. Yes, exactly. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of this. I'm, I'm I'm right. 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 And um, <laughs> she was so sweet. She's like, well, then this you have to buy this. And I was like, absolutely. And she said, you'll get so much wear out of it. And I knew who like Dries Van Noten and Andy Mulemeister, I'd heard their names and I knew mm-hmm. they were part of the Antwerp Six, which is these Belgian designers that were big into minimalists. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, I'm going to buy this because just everything about it said, you'll remember this moment. Yes. And the best part is, so they said, would you like it in a hanging bag? Did I want a Blake hanging bag or what? So of course yes, I did. you did. So I get on. You're the like, I'll just take the hope, bag. I hope you still have the hanging bag because I would have the hanging bag. I am going to be, um, you're going to be shocked, but I do not have the hanging what? bag. That's okay. All right. I'm very I'll sad to out. tell you that. I have okay. every other shoe bag that I've ever had. Okay. All right. It's all right. It's all right. The best part is they had already picked up all my luggage except for all my furniture and things. I had like one piece of hand carry on the kind of luggage. And um, I get on the flight, it was obviously a Delta flight or an America, I guess, guessing it was Delta, but I get on the flight and I walk in and the woman says, Ooh, something great is underneath that bag. Let mm-hmm. me hang it in this front closet. That's when the flight attendants oh were God. still probably stewardesses. That is big time. So nice. And <laughs> then, probably- said, then this is the best part. You probably should be up here with your bag. <gasps> I kid you not. I, I love first. The New dress York. got you into first class. Is what the you're dress got us. me into first class. That and is it fantastic. was such a moment of like, you are going to do, I could cry about this. You're moving on to do bigger and better things than uh, you've done here. And this is the first sign. What a moment. And I was like, uh, yes, I love it. it. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just like jaw dropped. I've never had a dress get me, me into first class. Anything. I mean, I, I've never asked any, you could be oh. schlepping things now and they'll be like, put it under your seat. I mean, right. they're not like yeah. that. Now. Right. 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 You could have yeah. like a six-year-old child on your back and they'll be like, listen, oh, yeah. they put it in the overhead. Say, Don't Back you go. Right. <laughs> so, um, obviously this was a moment and now we understand why you picked the dress, but then can you talk a little bit about, um, what that dress has meant to you over so many years. I mean, since 1998 and do you wear it on special occasions? Do you save it for special occasions? Tell us about some of your memories with the dress. Okay. Well, you don't save it. That's the one thing I did learn because I didn't have a lot of great clothing growing 
up or, you know, as a um, young adult, because I, again, advertising, there was no money. And um, so I always felt like wear it to the best of your ability anytime. So I waited Mm -hmm. tables in a bar while I was working in an ad agency and I would wear nice things. And I would be like, I had on like Palazzo pants and a pressed, really pressed that I did myself you know, um, cause I didn't do the dry cleaner, like starched white shirt with the collar up waiting tables in a bar at two in the morning. And if someone got dirt on me, I'd be like, do you want your shots? You know, I was really mean, but yeah. <laughs> so I always felt like wear it while you have it. Cause you want to feel good all the time. Yeah. And this dress I have worn it. I mean, I did get a little bit of like a, a hole in the one area. I had it patched immediately mm-hmm. because it's, it's not, as you saw, it's not super thick. But it right. is wearing a little. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sweater. Wear yeah. it. Best part was remember in like the aughts, you used to wear a lot of like black trousers or like um, yes. skinny trousers. It looks so good with just mm-hmm. black skinny trousers coming out the bottom yeah. and nothing on the top. So it is basically, even though it's wool, it's seasonless in my opinion. <sighs> Maybe not summer, but it's perfection. It's That's so what great. it is. It is. It's fantastic. Yeah. So you, you've worked in fashion and beauty and, and you've had some incredible experiences, you know, so from when you started that new chapter, can you tell us about, about that journey? So that's the best part is I, I guess I was, I thought I'm already finally going to get to New York and I'm was 29 getting ready to turn 30 and I get there and I was put on on an airline account because I had worked on one previously. And I, the agency I went with was working on Olay. And I mm-hmm. knew, I was like, I'm, it's, I'm not long for this whole airline thing. No. <laughs> um, so I got there and sadly, um, while I was working on the airline, it actually worked out to the best that it could. Um, but I had a boss that was not very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an English man and he wasn't very kind because my father pretty suddenly passed away after mm-hmm. I moved to New York. And um, I, when I came back from his funeral and things, I was just obviously not myself. Okay, right? Of course not. Yeah. No, of course not. And this man had said something to the effect of, um, you know, you need to get back to work. You know, this is, it's happened and it's sad, but you need to kind of, and I just couldn't. And so that was the impetus of me getting off the airline account and moving Mm -hmm. over to other accounts. And Mm -hmm. I got to work on Olay um, and I worked on it for a number of years and it was in the era of them losing or trying to consolidate to one name. They were Oil of Olay, Mm -hmm. Olaz, Ulan. They had a lot of different names Mm -hmm. all over the globe. They were making it just Olay, taking the oil out. Um, because oil wasn't like it was today where everyone's right. like, mm-hmm. the oil. Right. it was like um, a bad word then. Yes. It was a bad word then. And coming up with this part of the, I was on this team that, you know, they came up, love the skin you're in and a lot of confidence building and getting to meet women across all over the country and all over the world to talk about like, what do you want in skin? What do you want in skincare? And then they, we were part of the team that did like daily facials, total effects. We launched, mm-hmm. um, to me, which this is amazing. The first like mastige product. Remember it used to be, it was like CeraVe or whatever. Yes. yes. And then they lauder and they came out and be beyond the price point, but also the benefits and all the research. And I wasn't really part of the agency because I was always with the client mm-hmm. and I don't know. It just, I had a great deal of confidence and I was working on this confident beauty brand 
And I thought, I got to get out of here. And I need to, I, this is, I need to get, move on. I need to yeah. get into beauty and into fashion and out of the agency world. I did have one other jump into another agency. And then my next jump was fashion. I got into um, Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you didn't know the name. <laughs> what? But what was great was um, they had an agency in-house actually called CRK for Calvin Richard Klein. Okay. Oh, what was wonderful was they appreciated, not looked down upon my ad agency background. So they mm-hmm. knew I was strategic. And while I didn't know half the things I was going to do working on ready to wear, I didn't know about merchandising and all of the working with designers I had, they put me on um, fragrance and beauty and okay. that you really just needed to understand branding and being really strict with licensees about here are the rules. Here's how you talk about things and being sort of a, um, a shepherd in that way to Cody. And I was on the team. Um, when I got there, they had already recently killed two cosmetic lines and they were mm-hmm. trying for a third during my time and okay. no pressure, you know, no, no pressure. right. Not, no, at no, no, not at all. <laughs> but it was really fun and you got to develop a line, but it was with, um, a licensee where English wasn't their first language. And Again, that's another chapter in the book. That was a whirlwind, but really fun. Well, I mean, you have about a thousand stories to tell, and you mentioned mm-hmm. another chapter in the book. So we want to talk to you a little bit about your writing work. Can you tell us sort of a two-part question, I guess, um, what made you decide to leave your career in fashion and in cosmetics and ad agencies to focus more on writing? And can you tell us also a little bit about this book that you're working on, which we've spoken a little bit offline about, and I'm so yeah, excited yeah, for you. Thank you for yeah, that. I can't wait to see it. Um, <clears throat> your lips to God's ears here. Um, <laughs> any agents listening, I need a book agent. Yes. Sure. <laughs> um, make it happen. Make it happen, people. That's um, what we do, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> we move product. We make Dresses people's and careers. Yeah. And deals and what was it? Oh, and death, but okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? okay. Well, you know, I always say like everything happens for a reason and you have to look at the silver lining. I always yes, yeah. totally. big believers in that. Right? We yeah. are. Mm-hmm. And this writing career is none other than exactly that. So when I was in New York, even when I worked at Calvin and, and the agencies, I always took writing classes. I went to journalism school. So I knew ultimately there was writing in my future. Um, it was second tier to obviously to fashion, but um, I would take writing classes at Parsons and at NYU. And at the time, um, personal essays were really the way into getting into magazines, right? Yes. And I had this incredible, um, who I'm going to DM after this, had this incredible teacher who I just recently wrote uh, wrote a note to on Instagram and said, I reference you in, I mean, it was 20 years ago. I took her class Uh, because I... I wrote a several as I wrote several essays during this time period of like how to break into women's magazines. And I got a few things published in nothing big, no name kinds of magazines. One was actually about my father's passing mm. and our relationship and our last conversation. And the mm. other was, um, which Zibby Owens was very sweet to recently republish. They made me rewrite the ending, but um, as a reflective 20 years later ending, well, uh, just so you know, we're all connected. Um, I, yeah. Our last guest that we had on was Zibby Owens. So no, yeah, I think I, I think you're. I think you're airing. 
I think the week after her. We'll we'll check with scheduling, yeah. right, Stephanie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Last we'll we'll your ask scheduling that. department. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll check. But anyway, yeah. so I know we have Zibby in common. I mean, it's a small world, sort of. It's a small, small writers community. and creatives. And by the way, Stephanie went to journalism school too, so she gets that. So, so you get yeah. it. And so you I know do. your heart absolutely. And, um, but when I when I so I was getting engaged and we was right around the time of the market crash. We got married the weekend of the financial crash, and I'm married to a finance guy. Awesome. And um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. But he we had to move to Boston. And right you may, before, okay, so I'm in okay. I'm in the Boston area. You're making it sound like we had to move to Boston. You were exiled <laughs> to Boston <laughs> from New York. New York. A little, I know. I'm teasing. Yeah, for I know, New York. I, know. I, know. So I, I was I like, get it. I, and I, said, I spent time in New York. I get it. I'm moving Trust to New. Me. I'm moving to Boston. What am I going to write about? Rugby shirts. <laughs> Luckily, no. you had that warm dress with you. Um, Patagonia Patagonia vests, more likely. Holly, yeah, anyway, anyway, in the, in going. So I was moving to Boston and my, my fiance at the time said, this is your chance to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And this to me, I say this to anybody that ever asks, this is a big, the best way of feeling seen. And that was like the biggest, I love you Yeah, because Mm -hmm. he just knew what I needed. I probably wouldn't have thrown it out there. I did try to get marketing jobs when I got up there. Cause I was like, how can I not have a job? How can I not work? I work all the time. But so I did. And um, because of this market crash, I will just tell you, he worked for a company that merged with another company. And he said, I want to warn you, um, I didn't row with somebody from Yale. So I'm probably going to lose my job. And it makes sense. <laughs> and he was right. Oh, my Came gosh. Back from a, high, a honeymoon in Africa and boom. But lo and behold, within like 90 days, I was having I was having multiple babies. So that was so not anyway, wow. not much going on. Wow. Very secure life you're living. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, well, I now I really need to be a writer because now I'm going to have all these babies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can I just back up for say something that I relate to there is that whole, um, cause I left a career in marketing to focus more on writing. Now I'm kind of back in this whole media world, but one thing that I have had to train myself to say, and my husband and some of my friends and my cheerleaders have had to say too, is like, being a writer is a real job. And so I, yes. not to, you know, whatever, correct you or anything, but it's like, I think we have to remind to tell, remind ourselves to say that. And mm-hmm. kudos to your husband for saying to you, I now mean, is the time to focus yeah. on, on that, despite yeah. all this upheaval in the financial markets and your exactly. life. Exactly. Exactly. And what was so wonderful about it was at the time I would have never said I was a writer to your point, because I didn't Mm -hmm. have, I had two things published. I built a website and I started to write some things and I keep them on my website. Now there's like six little things. This was before blogging was a big deal. I had what the equivalent of like six blog posts. Um, but I never wanted to be an influencer or any of these things. There weren't those words yet, but I wanted to write. So I went out and I found people that would let me write for them and it was free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many times mm-hmm. um, I found a woman who was starting a, a site in the Hamptons and that's where I met and got married to my husband. And so I was like, I know this stuff. I, I've got this. Um, and uh, then I also wrote to some people that were doing like film festivals in Boston and I would just do whatever it took. Yeah. And then once I had some clippings, I started to say to people, oh, I'm a writer now. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. What would I have seen anything? And I was like, well, yeah, a little bit. So, so writing in black and white is your website. 
Correct. And I, since 2008, when it all started, it all came down to journalism school. You know, in yeah. journalism school, everything, I was in the news section for a while. Yes, yes. That We're going to not- show you some videos after this is over, right, Stephanie? <laughs> oh, please oh. do. Please oh, do. boy. <laughs> well, Walter Cronkite, I went to Chapel Hill. Walter Cronkite <laughs> went to Chapel Hill. And I was like, you know, maybe I could be a reporter. And I took a couple classes and they always said, we just want the black and white, just the facts. And yes. I was oh, full of colors, yes. not my wardrobe, but my writing. <laughs> yes. And so I always said, it has to be the name of my site. And that actually has worked out for just beautifully because now I feel the way that fashion and beauty and wellness, because I read about that as well, particularly through the lens of aging, which is another part of mm-hmm. what I, how I approach things. I'm 53. Um, I like that it breaks through the clutter, just gets to the black and white mm-hmm. and pulls out like what I keep saying, like the gray matters. Yeah. And that gray matters. And then, you know, that's also, you know, gray hair, gray haired people, whatever we matter. So yeah. I don't have gray hair. You can tell the audience, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't even have grays, which is very strange for having two 13 year olds and Anyway. Oh my gosh. I totally color my hair. I'd be all gray. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so it led to that, which was, it's been an amazing journey. And how is it going writing the chapters for your book? I mean, I said to oh. Stephanie before we got on, like Christine is one of us. She gets it. She gets yeah. how fashion and accessories. You're like the poster child for our podcast, by the way. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Because yeah. as, as I had the luxury of talking to Rachel along a couple months ago when I met you, um, please tell my family that yeah. the luxury of talking to me <laughs> <The luxury. laughs> is that I'm going to the tell whole- them that. Yeah, please do. Awesome. <laughs> The privilege of the, the whole thing is that fashion forms your identity and it's not mm-hmm. about the labels. It's not about being designer, but what you wear says a lot about who you are and who you strive to be. So the point of the book and the first episode, I mean, episode, the first chapter that I wrote in that class was about a Chicago boyfriend who would watch me or had watched me watching CNN style with Elsa Clinch. Mm-hmm. And I would take notes as if I was going to have a final exam on this thing. And um, on the runway shows, I still have the book, all my notes. And I always say to my kids, I write like I have Helvetica handwriting, as does one of my little boys. Thank God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the lefty is not so good. Not as good. Yeah. But the Helvetica handwriting and this boy comes in the door and he watches me watch these runway shows. I'm wearing, you know, of course, pajama bottoms, crisp, popped collar, white shirt, of course, like Stephanie. I've got the blue, but yes. And I just, that was my thing, you know, even with pajama bottoms, et cetera, I'm sitting there and he looks at me and he says, you don't think you're going to be a model, do you? Okay. I'm five one. Let's just start. (laughs) Um, And I say this in the book, not even like a bad winter coat, JC Penny model would I be able to be. I mean, right, right. No, but my passion was more than he was capable of. I didn't feel seen. And mm-hmm. I always said at that time, this is going to make it in an essay somewhere. And it did. So I started that first chapter about him and not feeling seen. And mm. then being, you know, whatever you wear, it, it it's not for other people. It's for who you want to be. It's what you strive to become. And, you know, the dress is a chapter because, um, 
I wanted to be more than I was. I knew I had huge goals and they were lofty and no one wanted me. No one was like, come to New York. No, I, I had to dream it and make myself feel good. Yeah. It's going to happen. That chapter right now is called, you never forget your first time in Andy Mueller <laughs> Clearly <laughs> it's about first class. And <laughs> but, um, but the book started out with just this crazy chapter about this guy and not feeling seen, but it really goes through 20 chapters. That's the principle of it. I've only got three written. And then of course, as you know, for the pitch, 20 chapters, the intros, where they're going to, where the reader's going to go. And um, to make a lot of book agents, hopefully happy, there's a section at the back of each chapter, which says style side notes. And that'll be either written by a designer or a stylist about whatever that item is, you know, that's that main character of that chapter, mm-hmm. whether it be the white shirt, a cool dress, whatever, have some style notes about it, hopefully. I love that. I love that. I think it's so true though about career and and sort of where you're heading in life. I mean, fashion just does play such a huge role. I'm thinking back to when I was a college intern at a TV station oh, yeah. at six in the morning, oh, right? Like God. running, running the teleprompter, I would be dressed like okay. I'd have my pearls. I'd like, I was, I was dressed up because I wanted to be treated as more than the intern. Because when we were growing up, wasn't it just for the job you want, not the yes. job you have? They yes, always yes, said that, Absolutely. Right? Yes. Absolutely. I always felt like that same. I was a receptionist in an ad agency, my first job. And that's one of the chapters, how I started out in Chicago. And I mean, I took that Ann Taylor suit and I Yo. broke it. Oh, that was a graduate oh. present. <laughs> and I wore the skirt one day that's the jacket yeah. one day, together one day. Did you have the pants? Oh, you know, it was the three-piece the, suit because it was and, a skirt, the pants, and the jacket. Yeah, you had to and a dress. And a dress. Oh my God. Everything. Well, you know, the whole thing. You know, it's so funny you said that because I recently found my my past from when I worked in my first job out of college in magazine publishing at Time Inc. And I'm wearing an Ann Taylor suit, obviously uh, in the picture and pearls. And I showed it to my daughter and she was like, why are you so dressed up? Because it's right. just interesting in sort of our post COVID world or whatever you want to call it. There are so many people that are working from home in a sweater and leggings or, um, you know, for big jobs too. So who yeah. it's like ours. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, us. Exactly. So and- yeah, no, I actually, toward the end, that's what's going to say. And toward the end, that's sort of right now, the book is um, who knows what it will be called in the end, but it's called clothes minded. That's a great title. Um, and the wow. last chapter again, right now is called <laughs> open minded because wow. the last two chapters, I have become um, a wife and a mother of babies. And yeah. how does that play into how you dress? And mm-hmm. yeah. lost all sense of identity. I then moved from New York to Boston to Atlanta. I'm no wow. southern. <laughs> wow. Even though I went to school yeah. in Chapel Hill. Yeah. And, and I had, you know, several kids and all that. And um, and I was a stay-at-home mom slash writer. And what did that do to me? And, and I, writer. And yeah, writer. Exactly. <laughs> but I hadn't really gotten very far. And yeah, no, I get it. I'm yeah. moving here. And so I felt like, um, I think it was saying something, I'm looking for it now. Like, what is, what did I call that chapter? Just something about finding my way in J crew or something. It was because it doesn't matter where you are in life. 
your fashion still plays the role. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It's true. It can affect mm-hmm. your everyday mood. Speaking of some of the work you're doing right now, can you tell us about your work at, at the Quality Edit? Oh, yes. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, the Quality Edit is so fun. I for I started out when I really felt like I was breaking in. I had written for something called The Fine Line. It's now a defunct publication online. And it was really about as you age types types of things because the woman who started it was in her 60s and she said there's no this is before goodbye crop top before getting to the groove all these people she had she had pinpointed what they're all saying now which is our generation is mm-hmm. more powerful financially cooler cares about what they look like cares about what they dress like um and wants to hear great content. And this is not your mother's red book, good housekeeping, et cetera. Right. So she started off that way. And when that went out of business um, pretty quickly, it was like two years I did that. I found the quality edit and I thought, oh, this is exactly what I need. It's not specific to aging, but I am clearly by almost 20 years, the oldest editor down there. <laughs> and I love it because the quality edit is all about the coolest, um, newest brands, highly discerned mm-hmm. amongst the editors. So they have to have an interesting ethos, um, a good brand story. They have to be effective or interesting or whatever it is to make people interested in us, um, to want to read the pieces. And I get assignments and I pitch assignments that um, feel right for me. And we, we are getting that audience. Like um, I got to write about um, a woman who created... Um, disposable leak, chic leak underwear because women in their forties and above want to jump on the trampoline and still do that. And I'm a crossfitter and I like box jumps and everything. Yeah. I've been crossfitting about 10 years. And um, so you get to write about really cool things. You find out about these amazing founders. I've met and get to interview women that I've just been in awe of their disrupting categories and um, I mean, it's everything from cleansers to a shirt, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's really interesting as a whole site, you get everything from soup to nuts. I mean, there's kitchen, there's parenting, there's beauty, there's fashion. It's, it's so cool. I'm That's so, awesome. grateful, so grateful to be part of that. That's really neat. So, so going back to, to your dress, which um, on your website, you talk about your motto, which is authentic, simple, minimalist, which I think you could describe your dress as those three things. And um, would you say, you know, it's, it sounds to me, but tell us, um, does your sense of style sort of mirror your motto? Absolutely. I think that's probably how I got to the sense of style. You know, yeah. uh, as I said earlier, I've been a minimalist forever and yeah. I always you know, it may have started out as, you know, maybe in middle school, you don't want to stand out. And maybe mm-hmm. that's I got into the black, the white, the gray, and not really a whole lot of color. I just didn't like it. It wasn't who I was, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then as it goes on, then you realize that's how I write, you know, minimalist mm-hmm. words, really careful in word choice. It's how I put a house together. It's how I everything. And yeah. so it's really cool to have sort of these few words that describe yeah. me it makes picking clothes easier. Mm-hmm. It makes knowing what's right for me in a, in a lifestyle sense, all my decisions are kind of made. It's funny, the Tibby founder, 
I'm, I don't want to say her last name because I would absolutely butcher it, but she does a lot of things around like, what are your words, you know? And, and that's, I love that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is neat. Wow. That, that sounds neat. like, I mean, this is just such an amazing story and we can't wait to see it continue to unfold. I do have to make one comment, which we talked a little bit about offline, because I think maybe some of our listeners who are our age um, might relate to, which is when you, when you showed us the beautiful dress and we're going to post a picture of it to go along with this episode, that giant pin, it reminded me of the kilt, the wool itchy kilt that I wore when I was little with the big pin. Yeah. And I just wire and that I was like, (laughs) and I was in choir. Yeah. It's the best. And I kind of, I, it's, I mean, at the time I didn't appreciate how cool that was. I don't know. I agree. I agree. And you know, I'm not one for accessories, as you can imagine, based on my descriptions. Right. So right. I wear a ring, you know, engagement ring, not even the band anymore. Um, and probably very rarely, I haven't worn earrings in forever. Um, so that pin, I let slide because it's mm. not really an accessory that doesn't right. work right. for me. Right. Well, we're big, we're well, big fans of, of the pins, right? I know you are. We love the brooches. brooch. And I have a couple of brooches. It's a dress brooch. It's a dress brooch. It's a dress brooch. It's the ultimate. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, your website and your social media and where they, where they should go? Yes. So um, my website is writinginblackandwhite.com. And then my Instagram handle, that's really the only thing, is at writinginblackandwhite. And I just launched a newsletter one week oh, ago. Congratulations. Um, and thank you. It's uh, going to be a labor of love because <laughs> that's all it can be. Um, <laughs> but it's on Substack. And you know it, oh. writinginblackandwhite.substack.com. And the first post was called Words Matter. And this week's, it's only going to come out twice a month at most, mm-hmm. is um, this next one is called Less is More. Of course. I mean, I live, hundred, I live you, by yeah. my, my words. Yep, you sure do. You are, you, ha- you have your brand. You really I do. I my you brand. Really, you yes. live and breathe your brand. And what a, what a treat to talk with you today, Christine. Thank Just such, so me. much fun. And so we fun. can't wait for your book. And to read all of your stories. Because, 2024. Wow. Let's just all say a prayer. 2024. Let's do it. It's, it's happening. Year. It is happening. It's, oh, it's happening. It if is I happening. Out, I said to somebody, if I print them out and I hand them out at a theory store. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Trust me. I told you when you're on yeah. a book tour, I'm going to meet up with you and yes. we're going to do an event together. Yes. I that. did get, she won't listen to this, but um, I did get an okay to Ann Mashburn. Do you know who that is? Mm, that name is a little familiar. She has, uh, she's a designer. She's an ex fashion editor. Um, mm-hmm. she, they, she and her husband, Sid, they have stores um, in a couple places all over the country. And I had wanted to get a quote from her mm-hmm. for my pitch. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't get the quote, but she said, I said, how about this? Instead of a quote, I get to do an event at your store. And she said, sure. Perfect. Oh, what fun. So we've got, I've got expectations here this book's got there you go we've got the place we've got the people we just need the publisher i just need an agent and publisher we just need the words we just (laughs) need the words we're gonna make it happen we're gonna make it happen please do you're gonna make it happen that's right yes yes yeah well thank you so much for joining us we so love talking to you and thanks to our listeners for tuning in and we will talk to everybody next time 